Hello friends, before we get started on this next amazing episode, I just wanted to give a short shout out to our team at Metal Cloak, the group that makes this podcast possible. From engineering to production, from marketing to sales, from accounting to HR, every member of the Metal Cloak family works diligently every day to bring some of the world's best products to the off-road enthusiast. Designed, engineered, proven, Metal Cloak. That is not just a clever cadence written by me, but a true statement of what we do every day and why we truly appreciate each and every one of you. If you are looking for something for your Jeep, Ram, Bronco, or Toyota, give us a try. We are here to help. And now, on to another amazing episode of the Modern Jeeper Show. I haven't actually used your map, which you gave me all the access to use it, and I haven't gone out and used it yet because I've been on a trail running forever. But... (laughs) Shame, uh, shame on you. I know, I know. It's, I'm, I'm the worst host for Modern G forever. The Modern Jeeper Show. The show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. Hello, Modern Jeepers. Matson from Metal Cloak here. Welcome to episode number 92 of the Modern Jeeper Show, the show about Jeeps, Jeeping, and Jeepers. This week, Mr. Modern Jeeper Corey Osborne and rock star Jeep girl Jesse Greenland join me to talk events, Thanksgiving week sales, and of course, the all new, just released Jeep Wrangler Rubicon 392 with a powerful V8, reinforced frames, water fording capabilities, modified axles, a controversial full time four wheel drive. And a $4,000 half-door add-on. Really. Then we are joined by Jake White of Carter Tracks. Jake is a true cartographer, has combined his passion for off-roading with the creation of the best, most comprehensive trail maps in the industry. Jake shares with us how he got into the biz, the incredible process he follows in creating maps, setting up Johnson Valley and KOH, what it took to do the Rubicon, and the broad list of Jeeps in his stable, including a very special scrambler. Remember to check out this podcast on video at youtube.com slash moderngeeper. And check out our show notes at moderngeepershow.com. As always, we are extremely grateful to our supporters, including Warren Winches, Raceline Wheels, Best Top, Milestar Tires, Rugged Radios, Adventure Rack Systems, and of course, Metal Cloak. So sit back, relax with the cold one, and enjoy episode number 92 of the Modern Jeeper Show. Well, hey, Modern Jeepers, it's time for another episode of the Modern Jeeper Show with me, Matson from Medical Oak, and Mr. Modern Jeeper, Corey Osborne. Hey, Matson. Hey, buddy. How you doing? I'm all right. How about yourself? Not bad. Not bad. I got to say something. Last time, with the last one, I realized that somehow I like totally cut you off. Uh, it was as I was saying, hey, how you doing? And you started answering and I went, great. And I like, totally cut you off. I don't know where that <laughs> came from. And I, You sound I, like I, me. I cut Starting it out of the, the next audio. question. Yeah, I cut it out of the audio, but I didn't. I couldn't cut it out of the video, and it was like, boy, that was an asshole move. <laughs> Is that kind of like one of those things where we talk to people and we go, "Hey, how you doing?" And they start to tell you how they're doing, and you're like, "Oh, I, I really didn't care." I, I didn't. Um, yeah, no, no, it was. It was like because I do care, but it was funny. I I thought Jesse caught it because she looks at you sideways a little bit. So if you guys haven't watched the video, watch the video because you'll notice I totally cut him off, <laughs> and Jesse kind of looks over him a little bit, and it's like. Yeah, I did that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Speaking of which, Jesse, Rockstar Jeep Girl, how you doing, girl? I'm great, Madsen. 
Bad. Good. It's good to good to have you guys on again. And I'm loving this for all of our listeners. This is a different video format. If you're watching the video, we're trying things, we're experimenting, which is just what we do. And hopefully things get, you know, if you like it, if you don't like it, a lot of you have been watching the video and uh, on YouTube, and that's great. If you just like it for background audio, that's great. Uh, if you like uh, having, I just however you want to set it up, we, we appreciate it. We appreciate you guys being a part of the fan group. Yeah, I think our listeners by now should know that this has all been an experiment for the past uh, 90 plus episodes. Um, you know, we, we've tried, I think, a little bit of everything. And and the, the guys who sit in a studio and they have a microphone set up and it's a dead soundproof room. And that's that's too easy. We had to make this a lot more complicated. Um, so for our listeners, I think that they've the ones that have stuck around all these episodes and have have heard the variations in audio quality and video quality, all of these things that we're trying, it's because we want it to be better for our listeners. So there you go. Right. Absolutely. And, and that's what's interesting is we, we have been experimenting. The one, the one stable has been Uber Conference, but I even experimented when I did my other podcast for a few episodes, like a totally different platform. And we tried different platforms. Now we're trying different video platforms and none of them are perfect, but we're hoping that we can put something together. I even want to see if we can do a YouTube live event at some point because YouTube has a great streaming system. Um, there was one I was looking at and, and I was just telling you about, I got to remember what the name is, but literally we could just do a phone call, like a live event, fold call, instant podcast, live event. So there's just so much fun we can do. Um, it's almost like we should do live just because that's about how much planning we put into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, with our schedules, we just never know. It's kind of like 2020. We never know what, what what's going to happen day to day. Right, right. It, it's, gosh, it, dude, it's almost 2021. I'm hoping this uh, thing. Thank goodness. Like, I'm oh. hoping like the New Year's it ends. Like officially, like the wake up January 1st and COVID will be gone. 2020 will be normal. Uh, I I don't know. I, I'm I'm skeptical anymore. And I think that um, I guess I'll, I'll throw out my little my little listener service announcement that I feel like I've done uh, for the past past few episodes. Um, this morning there was an article in the news and they talked a little bit about just the, uh, the emotional stress and all of these things that are going on in people's lives as, as they adjust to things and us as Jeepers and us as outdoor enthusiasts, we're a little bit separated from some of that, but these these families that have kids that are having to learn at home and we're so attached to our devices and our, our iPads and our tablets and our computer screens. And we're so used to interacting now with people through video. It's a little dysfunctional and there's a lot of emotional stress and, and uh, that that's going on with people and having to deal with, with my mom's uh, issues and, and, and her passing all of these things they just kind of keep being building blocks on our shoulders, right? So reaching out to each other, whether it's through video, you know, now they're saying, you know, don't get together for Thanksgiving and all that. Um, my suggestion, since big block or big box stores can still have people there, um, I threw up on Facebook this morning that we should all just gather at Home Depot or Walmart, um, set up a couple of big tables because we can be there. It's fine. You just have to be at home. Uh, and Dude, I think you just gave there. Walmart. I think you just gave Walmart a great idea. Like Thanksgiving at right? Walmart. Right? They I need mean, to serve Thanksgiving dinner. That's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, it, it's it is it is interesting because there's. I think this is one thing, I, and I we talked about this last week. 
And it's so weird to me because I'm seeing it all over the place. And that is Christmas has started. Started Nobody has waited till after Thanksgiving. I I don't know if everybody's skipping Thanksgiving or what. Because I didn't get the memo. Right. I I walk my neighborhood and the kids are excited because there's Christmas trees up in the houses and they're wondering where ours is. And (laughs) the neighbors, all the neighbors who like usually were the first ones after Thanksgiving, which wasn't me. I would not. I spent Thanksgiving weekend like relaxing after the turkey. I don't spend it putting up stuff, but I bought some new decorations this year. So we're going to try it. But they already have their stuff up. And I, and I don't, I, I, I missed it. I missed the memo. I missed, maybe it's a woke moment. I, I don't know, but. It, I, it, it was right after Halloween. It seemed like we're just going to skip Thanksgiving. We're just going to have Christmas now. And this whole don't gather for Thanksgiving, but still spend money and still shop for Christmas because mm-hmm. we'll be fine by Christmas. I, I didn't get that memo either. Um, I've noticed that like, Target and those kind of places now, they don't even do the the big sale after Thanksgiving anymore. Now it's just a month long sales event. Like, oh, when right. did that happen? Right. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, and for all of our listeners out there that are wondering, yes, you know, Metal Click will do a sale. Um, it'll be it's, but it's going to be a week long. I've actually eliminated. And this is our own oh, personal. I'm just not going after a Black Friday. I've never liked the term Black Friday. It has nothing to do with the current woke movement or 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 it just has to do with the fact that it to me and the origins are like it was a it was a negative thing, right? It's a negative, right? right. Because people got hurt and they got yeah, trampled beat each other up yeah, to get to, to buy that one toy, the last tickle me elmo. And <laughs> so we're just having a Thanksgiving sale. And there's there going to be all lots of cool stuff. If you're listening to this podcast, you get a little insight because we're going to be giving away stuff. We're going to be giving away gift certificates every day. And the size of the gift certificate on what would usually be Black Friday is going to be pretty damn big. Nice. These will be So it's like, why not? Like we can do that. We'll do some fun stuff like that. We also will have the modern Jeeper calendar, um, which is about to go to print. We'll also have the, uh, um, you know, we have some new ornaments we made now. So it's like, there'll be some fun stuff, but I, I want to enjoy it and have a week of Thanksgiving. And I want to remind people that it is Thanksgiving and I, I enjoy the fall, right? I like having the fall decorations up around the house. I like having the, the, the fall wreath and all this stuff. I enjoy that part. There's just the beauty in the fall and to skip it because suddenly we're going to go into Christmas. Yeah. Nope. I, Not I, right. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't right. get it. I think everybody's Besides, just in the mood to get the year over. Like, well, then, rushing it out the door. In that case, let's just have New Year's. Right. Yeah, right. New Year's. Let's just go it's, to New Year's. All, calendar's all arbitrary anyway. Why do we have to do December? <laughs> let's just skip. Let's just call it. Let's just ship it. <laughs> just call <laughs> December 20. Well, yeah, let's just make it over. You know, when we used yeah. to, I used to bowl. I used to bowl in a league years ago. And there's this technique where you draw a really big fat line between frames. That's a fat, you just go in there, drag that big line. And that line is specifically to, to mentally tell you, oh, that's like, I'm starting new. I'm starting fresh. I just, you know, totally screwed up the last frame. I'm doing the new frame. There's a big line. So we're going to do that. We can do that at the end of the month. At the end of November, we're driving the big fat line and starting over. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Although some would say that's what the election was supposed to be, but that would make, we'd get into political discussion. We're not allowed to do that. 
Well, you know, I mean, this is this is kind of another exciting time of year because we've just gone through all of our planning stages. Um, we've looked at dates for what next year, what we hope it's going to be like, mm-hmm. um, what we, I don't know, our best guesstimates, I guess we can call them for events. Right. Uh, you know, I've actually, for the folks that are watching the video, I've got my, my Death Valley 2020 shirt on. Um, we're looking super forward to Death Valley's trip uh, for next year. Um, all of our adventures this next year are going to be, again, we're going to, we keep improving on them as we go year over year. Uh, and our guest, this overlanding trip in Death Valley, I don't know, I kind of feel like it plays into our guest's realm and, and maybe he'd even want to join us. But um, I know I'd like to spend a few days with him out in the middle yeah. of nowhere and, uh, and pick his brain some. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think we will definitely do it. But before we get into our guest, what's the big, big news? Oh, oh my Lord. Man, did Jeep <laughs> release some kind of big engine vehicle? Oh. I don't know. I heard something Dude, about it. I got to tell you, it's Jeep is impressive right now. I mean, yes. it is truly really impressive. Now, I'm going to get a little critical of Jeep a little bit. The current uh, the president of Jeep, he is not as good as Michael when it comes to like doing presentations. True. Right, dude. I mean, like he's a little, he's a little sketchy, but uh, but still, he did the presentation, and this three three was it three ninety two is just yes phenomenal. Oh my yes. god! I mean, they they didn't just and this it makes a lot of sense to me that they didn't try to do this with the JK because what they actually had to do, and the amount of work they had to do, the frame reinforcements, the airflow. Because we all know there's airflow problems with Jeep engines. Absolutely. Right? And anybody that ever's done a V8 swap, that's their main concern is, okay. now how do I keep this thing cool? Yeah. yeah. Right. Absolutely. On, on ours, we have one and we end up doing the Daystar hood, right? But it still doesn't necessarily work great. You put a big, massive aluminum radiator in the front to try to catch it and, and cool it down. Right. Still. So for them to figure all this stuff out and it's already got a two-inch lift. Right, of course, it's a Mopar lift, but yeah, we won't talk about that. <laughs> but it's it's phenomenal. I mean, where do you think this thing's going to be sitting at price wise? Well, I've heard it all over the board, and um, I've heard as high as ninety two, mm-hmm. um, because of the whole three ninety two. That may be a marketing <laughs> thing. That's interesting. Um, where I've did heard... the three ninety two come from? Like, is that cubic inches? Or what, what is that? Oh, yeah, that's cubic inches. Yeah, okay, 392 yeah. cubic inches. I was just clarifying it for our listeners. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows I'm not the mechanic. I'm not the tech geek. Corey is. That's well, why. and it, it, what's, what's really interesting to me is some of the websites are um, – it's, it's just kind of funny how they're portraying this thing and the comments mm-hmm. that we've seen on social media. And I was even corrected. Um, you know, everybody said, you know, well, this will be great, you know, doing rear wheel burnouts and all that kind of stuff. You ain't getting that. You ain't getting that transfer case. You're getting a full-time four-wheel drive transfer case. There is no two-wheel drive, um, and that's wow, how they'll save. That's how they'll save this rear axle because people were going, you know, 400 plus horsepower on a Dana 44 Jeep's just going to be, you know, shelling rear ends out of the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, um, dude, I tell you, to, if you if you make if you're a company like Fusion or Dynatrack or one of these other axle companies. That's going to be a great opportunity for you because yeah. people yeah. are going to want to have the rear wheel burnout. They're going to want to upgrade. They're going to want to put an Atlas in there. That's- exactly. They're going to pull out this all-wheel drive system. And, and you know how integrated that is. It's going to be a project yet. I mean, Scott Bloom, 
bless his heart, he yeah. actually corrected me in a post yesterday and said, this is not all wheel drive. This is full time four wheel drive. And what's the difference? So that, well, an all wheel drive system, this still has a transfer case that will have four low in it. Whereas an all wheel drive system typically doesn't have a two speed transfer case uh, or, or a low range, I guess. Um, I was disappointed that it wasn't going to get a 4.1 or I mean, I'm sorry, a four to one transfer case like the Rubicon has, but I get it too with a bunch of horsepower. That's going to be such a, such a low crawl ratio that you're not going to be able to stop the thing. There'd be so much torque behind a four to one gear reduction that 272 to one is going to be just fine. Yet I'm a rock crawler guy. So I like the low geared, low range stuff. But this isn't going to be a Jeep for those guys. Um, well, it, it can be. It'll be it interesting to be. see. Yes. I mean, if you think about, first off, a top-end Rubicon comes in at 60000 right? And if you buy a top-end Rubicon JL and you go down and have a guy drop a Hemi into it, it's probably twenty five grand to do, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. if you're getting this for between eighty and $90,000, you are probably getting a deal for everything that's added onto it. But right. then take that and add in uh you know then wanting to upgrade it upgrade an axle the guy who's gonna be buying this you know honestly one right now money is cheap <laughs> money is cheap i mean interest rates Apparently. are great so it's a perfect time right. to come out unless the unless the world changes next year yeah i think that um it's been interesting there's been some websites saying that this thing's going to get a 6.4 liter v6 um and uh, I don't know if those are typos, but I've seen that on a couple of different websites now. Um, this is not a V6 engine. This will be a, a V8 yeah. engine. This is the Hemi. Uh, I ha saw some comments about, are these axles the same uh, Dana 44s? They're a wide track Dana 44 that are also the front end is getting the, the Gladiator um, style front end with they won't have it won't have aluminum knuckles it's going to have cast iron uh, knuckles in the front um i was also told that the rear end is not the same rear end that they, this one will have thicker axle tubes so again now we have different variations in something as simple as what front and rear ends are we dealing with which one did that come out of which one's what what am i replacing is it apples to apples or are we talking about two different things right That'll be interesting. Um, I don't know. I, 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 people are excited about it. They're excited about yes. its performance. They're excited about what it can be. The fact that it's coming up this quickly, right, compared to others. Now, you also saw on the 4XE, you recently shared a picture with me uh, of the front, of how those front axles are, right? This The 4XE had um, the picture that I was sent shows mm -hmm. the front axle being CV drive shafts, yeah. little rubber boots over the over where we would typically see a U joint um, type of front axle. This one had CVs. I don't know if that's something we're going to see. I we I doubt we'd see that on the the Hemi uh, powered Jeep, just because I don't think that strength wise they they'd be there. But who knows? But is the 4XC also um, full time four wheel drive? Hmm. I don't know. That's the electric Jeep. So I don't think right. so. I don't think so. I think you get a standard, you get the standard four to one, four to one T case and all that. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. That one is meant to be a rock crawler still. I mean, they are right. putting charging stations on the Rubicon. So they expect you to actually 
go out and play. By the way, I don't know if you know, you guys watch that video. There's a moment where he messes up and says gladiator. Yes, like, I, yes, I cut it front, too. Like the front of the gladiator. The front, like, yes. Yes. What? Yeah. Wait a second, is that a Freudian slip? Is there going to be a gladiator version popping up next year? Probably. Well, they say <laughs> they say that there's not. There's no plans um, for the gladiator to have it. But right, and and they and right, and that they managed to keep this whole thing secret that this 492 is ready to go. A 392. Right. right. 492. That's wishful thinking. The 392. You know that the, the you, you mentioned something about the, the and he was very proud. The Jeep's very proud of the the water fording capabilities of this this uh, yeah. this 392. Yeah. The inside of that hood is crazy. And I can't, I was looking for the actual stat, but the the water coming in through the scoop, the 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 porting and all of the the under hood stuff going on there allows this thing to move like 13 gallons of water a minute out of the engine compartment. That's amazing. It was, yeah, what I do mean, they call it? They call it the hydro hydro glide or hydro glide, yeah. Yeah. Which is the, the technology for that. Even if water goes into your hood scoop, even if you get a wake wave over, mm-hmm. it can separate it out. I mean, that's I in, now I got to imagine that there is some like Ford Bronco competition going on here. The fact that it's already got it's already got two inch lift, which means right. you pretty much get out of the box to get 35 inch tires. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and which, of course, matches the Bronco. What's the Broncos doing right. um, out of the box? You have the, the Fording, you have the trunk. And if you even notice, they came out with the half doors and it was very right. conspicuous that with the half doors on and everything set up and looked a lot like the Bronco image of it's having all of its doors removed or all of its top removed. It was very big and open. Right. So they the Jeep just did the same thing and said, we got you, Bronco. Yeah, we got you there. Slapped him across the face. I did see that somebody posted about, and I haven't been into the build options um, from what a dealership is able to see, but the, the half door option is actually a dual door option, and that's a $4,000 add-on. Yeah. Well, it makes sense. Those half doors on a JK are pretty pretty expensive, too. Right. I mean, right. Factory half doors are not a cheap thing. No, they're not. They're not. Yeah. So, but and the, imagine that if you're doing the half doors and you probably have different options, like you could still do the hard top with half doors and not get the soft top pieces, um, all the different variations. But you start adding it up. Like I went into price in just to confirm what uh, a top end Rubicon will be. And I went in and started, okay, base Rubicon, started adding things in there and selections and stuff. And without any negotiation, I was at 59 grand. So, oh, yeah. You know, it, well, it, it's, it's, it's amazing to me if you go onto Jeep's website right now at jeep.com and you were to go look at what your options are, there are four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. There are 12 different um, trim packages that you start with. So this mm. is the, you know, this is the sport or the, the Willie sport or the right. Islander, or the high right. altitude, or the 80th right. anniversary. I mean... <laughs> Just start with those. <laughs> I can't imagine what the guys in the factory get a... a oh, we got to build this one. Well, let's get out our containers, and this one goes, it's part of this, and it wants Dude, some it, of this. They are so, they are so streamlined over there. Yeah. Right? It just comes down. Everything's handed to them. The, the computers are just basically saying, here's your piece, here's your piece, here's your piece. Everything drops in. Like they're, 
that just it's amazing. It would be a cool, maybe one of these days we can do a special modern Jeep, like when everything opens back up, we can go out there and we can organize with Scott maybe to do like a modern Jeeper episode at the Jeep headquarters. Yeah, there you um, go. Mm -hmm. And do like a tour because I would love to see that. I would love to see how how they do all this. It's just just amazing. I got and, to you know, drive can, around I the outside watch, of the building. I could watch my 392 coming off the assembly line. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Get a special invite. Uh -huh. Yeah, it'd be like, babe, please. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I'm excited today because my guys, listen, I get so busy, stuff just doesn't get done like with the Gladiator. I've still got my Gladiator. It is still 100% stock, okay? Today, they started bolting stuff on. Nice. So literally, little things happening to it. I still don't have all my wheels, so it's going to be interesting riding around on my my stock wheels with a three and a half inch lift on it. Um, I'm still waiting on those because apparently the there's a shipping container that got lost someplace. And, yeah, down <laughs> in the middle of the ocean. Uh -huh. Down in the middle of the ocean, uh -huh. somewhere in the Pacific. But um, but I'm excited. So that I, you know, moving forward on that would be fun to do. But I I love that idea that 392. Yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm not really, I'm old school. I'm not really a power guy. What the power that I have in my LJ is I'm completely happy with. Um, it's my understanding. Everybody wants to do four wheel burnouts and you know, that's just not my thing. I, I that, don't care. I can um, tell you that happens. Like when we drop for LS, that happens once or twice. You do it and you get it out of your system and you do a little video about it and then right. you move on. Cause then you realize yeah. you, just, you just ate up half your tire. Right, right. These aren't light vehicles, and um, it turns yeah. out that isn't that called like an exhibition of speed? Isn't that illegal? <laughs> yeah. No, not if it's no, on your own private property. People tell you know. me you're just a party pooper. Yeah. yeah, okay. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so it has been interesting, though, um, to note is the uh, where was I going to go with this? I told totally, it after the party pooper statement. I I went blank. I went blank. <laughs> Anyway, enough about the Hemi. It's going to be fun. It's going to be great. People are going to enjoy it. Um, and it's just another variation Jeep is offering, which is just making the world of Jeeping just that much more open, accessible, and, and attractive to people. Yep, very true. There's another thing about the world of Jeeping that is open, accessible, and attractive to people. And that is understanding where you're going. And That's where a huge part of this, yes. It is. And, and the great thing about it, there are so many trails across the, across the country, so many trails and so many places to go. But many times, we don't even know where we're going or how to do it um, unless you're with somebody you've been or in the case of something like the Rubicon Trail I'm going on the trail with a bunch of people but what actually is all these different places what are these places I'm at where I'm at on the trail well our guest today has been working on a solution with that and that is Jake White with Cardo Tracks hey welcome to the show my friend hey how are y'all hi we're fantastic fantastic glad to have you on the show yeah absolutely I thank you for inviting me I have a Voice for newspaper and a face for radio, so I'm a perfect fit. Here. <laughs> nice, nice. Well, we have a little cute little picture of, up there with you and your family. Where's that taken at? Uh, that was at Sand Hollow uh, just last October, just last month, um, for the event called Trail Hero. Happens uh, every year. It's a killer event. We haven't missed one. So, um, nice. family excursion for us. That's yeah. that's awesome. That's awesome. So, for people who don't know. What is Cardo Tracks, and what's your mission, and, and, and how did you get started? Well, we are a mapping company first. That's the, the primary job that we have is we make maps. Um, we're kind of unique in this space of uh, off-road navigation for sure. 
Um, I'm unique. You're like the only one doing what you're doing. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so that's that's pretty true. I don't know that we've got any direct competition as far as exactly what we're doing. Um, and what we're doing is making maps, which that sounds funny and you laugh, but um, it is a big differentiator in this world. Um, today, most off-roaders see off-road navigation apps as creating maps. And in reality, they're just vessels to, you know, to showcase data. And there's a lot that that leaves to be desired when you get into the nitty gritty of actually utilizing that to navigate. You're just looking at lines and points and trying to get a good clean display of what you're looking at is is kind of difficult in that format. So what we do is old school mapping. Um, The fancy word for that is cartography and that's the first half of our business name cardo tracks is cartography and gps tracks it's kind of both shoved together to make a business name so um that's really the basis of our company is is quality cartography um which means displaying a lot more information than you can with just points lines and areas in a regular old school handheld gps unit so um and of course we deliver it in a package that's available for folks to download on the smartphones and tablets and iPads and that kind of thing. So you can get a bigger screen if you want to upgrade, you know, a tablet or an iPad and mount it, or you can just use what you already have, which everybody, you know, even grandmothers have got smartphones now. So um, just use what you got instead of buying extra hardware, you can just use what you have. So that's really the value of what we do. Um, And it's a pretty big differentiator like i said as far as the difference between and i've kind of coined the phrase i think it's maybe it's a little nerdy and dad joke ish um but apping companies instead of mapping companies most of our competition is really more an apping company they're not actually making maps they're just showcasing data and there's a ton of risk in that just because a lot of that's crowdsourced data you don't know who it was that collected it or what they used to collect the data with and you know, not only how spatially accurate it is, but they're not taking the time to, you know, attribute that information with the trail difficulty. And, uh, you know, some folks are going off property um, onto other people's land and trespassing sometimes. Not saying that's always the case, but it can happen and you don't really know it. So um, that's the thing about us. Everything we do is fully vetted by landowners or land managers where we're mapping to make sure that it's 100% accurate and and it's legal. So if you if you get a map from us, you you can trust that that is legal, accessible land that you can go and wheel on, and not get in trouble and not cause the Forest Service or the BLM or whoever else to close the gate because that's what they do. It's the cheapest option for them. So trying to help mitigate that. So yeah, we're weird. I think, <laughs> I think that the the differentiator for our listeners is. I mean, you know, I've done a lot, uh, quite a few articles on our adventures, and I use um, an app called Gaia, G-A-I-A, mm-hmm. um, and and they've seen our write-ups and whatnot. But again, like you said, these are just portals of of data being overlaid onto a screen. They're not really giving me any information. They're they're I can see some of the things from the Forest Service or whatever layer I happen to be viewing. But you and I, we, we met each other. I, I think the first time I ever talked to you on the phone, I was actually out at King of the Hammers. And I know my way around King of the Hammers pretty well, Johnson Valley area. And you you kind of reached out and said, hey, man, like try these maps and take a look at what I'm doing. And I was blown away because it's actually <laughs> the data. 
there, yeah, it's an underlying, at the end of the day, it is a map. But when you use your information on top of that map, and it actually shows you the trail you're on or where you're at in a particular area, much more clearer and something that we as off-roaders can understand better than a, a giant topo map that shows a, me as a dot on some elevation lines that, that doesn't help me. I need to know, hey, there's a trail next to me. Where am I in relation to that trail? And that's where your stuff just shines. It just makes it so much easier. I remember that call. <laughs> been a few years, but yeah, definitely. It's been a few yeah, years. It changes everything. When when people first use our product, that they, they're usually just blown away. I'm not thumping my own chest here. I mean, it really is a, a aha moment when they see that and recognize that's an actual map. It's not just data. So, and, and not to discredit Gaia, they have a beautiful app and it really does function well, but there's just that inherent risk of, of what you get, what kind of data you can get. And it's up to the user to go and acquire that data and try and suck that into the app. Um, right. It takes some legwork. So what we deliver is just a full package. If you purchase a map from us, like for instance, a KOH race course map, it has everything you need to know for that race course. And it shows spectator areas that are designated, have it has every race mile marker, um, all the pertinent information is all there visible where you don't have to even tap the screen to pull up more information. It's all cartographically rendered in a way that's appealing and, and uh, you know, aesthetically appealing and you can read it just with one glance. So very useful. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's special. And then just this year, just prior to KOH this year, really it was last fall, I guess um, we, we had, become great friends with a guy named Mark Matthews that's just been a uh, recreational wheeler for a long time. He's been involved with KOH and Dave Cole for a long time um, and has just this immense amount of data that he'd collected with GPS units through the years of Johnson Valley just as a whole. And we worked with him to um, kind of hone in on a, a good quality map of a master Johnson Valley map. So that's now available on our site in you know as a supplement to the the specific race courses that we release every year for ultra four um you can also go out there and wheel uh you know outside a race course and, and get around the whole valley and it's huge it's a giant map it goes way up north uh beyond the typical extents of your regular race courses that we we, we see every year so um mark's That's a awesome super god he, he's got a whole bunch of extra information he put in the margins that we we help wordsmith all that. So, I mean, everything from where you can get firewood to the last gas and where to get cell signal to, you know, everything. It's all typed up in text in the margin. So, um, that's, you that's got some amazing. literature it, built it, into it, a map. It's absolutely amazing because you're, you're, you're giving people a guide for their experience. Right. And yep. it, it's more than just a map. It's more than just a, a place to go. But it's like, and I, I, I hearken back to the days when we used to use like real maps, right? And you could <laughs> unfold a map and it actually had more information on it. Like here's a little town and, and AAA would have like little notes on the side of the map, like, you know, places you can find things. And, and it was, that's, that's awesome because we get so used to just using these, these phones for trying to get us around. And occasionally if you're lucky and you're like, you could even be on the Rubicon trail. There's like, Hey, look, it caught me. I'm actually on a trail, but it doesn't tell you anything. Right. So do you actually get into uh, uh, Jake on on the maps uh, as like where the where the obstacles are, or what sort of elevation climbs are occurring? I mean, I haven't actually used your map, which you gave me all the access to use it. And I haven't gone out and used it yet because I've been on a trail run forever. But 
Shame, uh, shame on you. I know, I know. It's, I'm, I'm the worst host for modern Jeeper ever. Um, or maybe I am the modern Jeeper, spending more time on my computer than actually wheeling. But but do, do you get into that, like where the obstacles are, where Widowmaker might be, or where, you know, depending on where, where you're at on a trail? Yeah, absolutely. That's that's part of the big value of what we have. It's more than just a line. We, we get what I call the tribal knowledge um, from, you know, the locale there's usually somebody that knows this backwards and forwards. And in case in point, Rubicon Trail, we were on at the end of October with a guy named John Orange who just knows it backwards and forwards. He's he's the guy that drives the poop Good truck. Good guy, John. Uh, yeah, super guy. And, uh, I mean, once I spent, you know, the first few hours with him, I knew immediately this is the guy, 100% score. I mean, he's the best as far as getting this kind of information. He knows every named obstacle. He can tell me all kinds of extra stuff about history, about obstacles, why it's named that. There's so much cool stuff about the places that we wheel that it's it's just kind of lost in the data these days. So we try and bring all that in. Um, like for instance, did you know Cadillac Hill, right? You're, what's Cadillac Hill named for? Why is it named Cadillac Hill? Because a Cadillac that fell off it was buried down below for a long time. <laughs> It's not actually a Cadillac. It's not a Cadillac. Right. You know it's not a Cadillac. It's, it's it was a what was the car? I think it's a LaSalle. I think that's what he told me. I'll have to go back in my notes and look. But yeah, it's not even a Cadillac. <laughs> so or a LaSabre or something. I don't remember what the name was. It was some other name. It's not even a Cadillac. LaSabre Hill just didn't sound good. <laughs> right. No, absolutely not. No, Somebody no, no, went no. and said called it. And quite frankly, it probably was a Cadillac knockoff. So could have been. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but just that fun stuff, it's just, uh, I don't know, it's just fun to me. Some of the history and stuff. And really, the Rubicon is one of those places that um, I, there's no place that I think could compare history-wise. I mean, it's just such a cool historic trail. Um, that was a cool experience for me, getting to go there. I mean, I'm, I'm an Alabama guy, by the way, so um, I'm getting to travel places with this business that I've I would have never gone otherwise, probably. Uh, but it's definitely like the Carnegie Hall of off-road. Everybody's heard of it. Jeep named the Jeep after it. I mean, goodness. Right. What a what a cool place. So, yeah, awesome experience. But, yeah, I mean, we add in all the different name and obstacles, um, you know, the, the ones that people see YouTube videos of and pictures of from Big Sluice to, uh, you know, Cadillac Hill, Little Sluice, all those big names that you recognize but don't know where they are. You, as you're cruising along the trail on our map, you'll see those pop up as, as you're cruising along with your little blue dot, um, and it'll track you along with supreme accuracy. That's awesome. Way. Your process, and just to kind of get into what your process is, you you literally have to find the center point of every trail, and you're going through the center point of the trail, right? No matter what that happens to be, how wide it is, or are you following the likely path of every vehicle, or are you just, because like in the case of Big Sluice, there's a couple of different ways to go down. Well, there were a couple of different ways to go down. Now that the tree has fallen down in the center, it's it's uh, it's it's gonna be like one straight shot. But yeah, what, right. What do you do in in some cases where you have, uh, like right after Buck Island, um, there's a section where you have a choice of going left, up, or you go right. You know, and, and which do you use? How do you figure out what your what your map's gonna take people? So that's a great question, and it's uh, Rubicon's a little different from other places in that there's a, a designated route that is the the county access right of way type deal. There's little pins that they've driven down into the rock, and so that paired with John's knowledge of the line, 
we we pretty much run center line of the designated route. So, but then of course, there's always go arounds. There's some that are acceptable legal go arounds and and um, you know bypasses, and then there's other instances where they're really truly illegal bypasses going on. Mm-hmm. Um, when you get into little sloughs, there were three routes. There's the main route, and then there was a a Toyota bypass, which I find rather humorous because you know Toyotas have to go that way or something because they can't <laughs> go through the middle. Um, and then there was a I can't remember the name. I think it was a long uh, long bypass that goes around on the north side of Little Sluice. Um, right, so there's right. always instances. And then there's even another one that's an illegal bypass. It, of course, we didn't map. We don't want to showcase that. And Which one is that? People down that route. Uh, I can't tell you. That's classified. It's Because uh, <laughs> there's there's the high bypass that goes up above. Um, right, right. Which is which I've taken before. In fact, we did that on Modern Jeeper Adventures trip last because I didn't need to go through Little Sluice with everybody, so I just went around. Um, there is the bypass, like for instance, the Gladiator took, which really isn't a bypass; it's more of an escape, where you yeah, just go up onto the slab out. to the right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, of course, the the one bypass you're talking about to the north is the one that, for years, was used because Little Sluice was simply impassable for most rigs. Right. And um, and so it just goes. But the high one is kind of interesting because it's it's a little sketchy. I mean, you're, you're you're next to a cliff; it can be a little sketchy. It's kind of fun going oh, yeah. down. For us, I have to use some uh, some of my own discretion sometimes, you know. And uh, like in the case with the Rubicon, I had John immense amount of knowledge that I leaned heavily on that. Uh, when we, as we get closer to producing this map, we're we're um, we're still in the process right now. It's not live yet, but it will be soon. Uh, we'll go through a process where the powers that be that that um, you know with El Dorado County and others will have them bless it. So we'll make sure that everybody's happy with what's being showcased on that map so that we don't um you know send people down the wrong path but the key is trying to get it right the first time on the ground when you're collecting it and then you work off of that and make sure that uh, everybody's happy with what's being shown so but there's other places in the country where you get into some of these private parks in the eastern united states where it's just a, a dense network of trails and a lot of these trails have named obstacles on them Sometimes the trail itself is named for the obstacle that's the, you know, the primary obstacle. Um, But there's bypasses around them. And what my standard operation is, is to go and run the route that the trail is rated for. So you take the line that the trail is rated for, Um, you know, that way people know what they're getting into. And I want to make sure that they're running the main line. Um, if they break or have to take the bypass, they can take the bypass, but they know that they're running a, um, you know, whatever it's rated for. That's what they're entering that trail, um, you know, anticipating what they're going to, what they're going to encounter on that trail. Um, so that's really important. I mean, it's difficult because you end up with folks a lot of times and a lot of times the reasons why bypasses are created is because people don't realize what that trail is rated for and they end up on it in a, in a, lesser built vehicle or maybe a not adequate driver to be able to accomplish that obstacle and and they say well we'll just go around it well that's really not the right way to do it from a tread lightly standpoint right um that's the wrong way so we're trying to kind of be the middleman in the in the middle of all this um to try and lead people down the correct path and know what they're and make sure they're prepared for what they're they're heading down and they don't get into trouble so Jake, um, how many yeah. how many how many different parks or I don't I don't want to break it down to trails but how many how many areas do you think you've mapped so far? How many maps do you have? 
Yeah. Uh, we've got over 50 maps in our library on our website, which is a pretty good bit. And those span from Uari, North Carolina, in the middle of North Carolina, to, to soon the Rubicon and Johnson Valley with Mark Matthews' map that we host there. And, and seven years now of KOH race course maps as well. So a lot of maps nationwide. And, and some of them, you know, some of them are individual parks. Some of them are individual trails. When you get into Moab, it's so spread out around Moab that you got to just kind of sometimes we'll be able to get two or three map or i'm sorry trails on one map uh, but sometimes it's just one trail per map so those cost a lot less obviously you're just you just buy into you know whatever particular map you need uh for a particular trail but but sometimes there's parks that i mean i couldn't even count how many trails in there we've got parks in the eastern united states that have 50 60 miles of trail in a thousand acres of land i was just so i was really, just thinking about windrock yeah, that's a big one. That's huge. We haven't mapped Winrock. Um, <laughs> let's let's go out and do that this next yeah. year. Take yeah, a we should take just like a weekend. We should be able to knock it out. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it sounds like a plan. That's no a, problem. Yeah, that's yeah. a vacation time for sure. The process definitely takes some time. Like for instance, S'more Southern Missouri Off Road Ranch mm -hmm. in Missouri, just east of Springfield. That's uh, I think they're a little bit over 50 miles of trail, as I recall, just shooting from the hip here. And, and uh, Brandon, the park owner, Brandon Powell and I uh, mapped that together. And we started Monday morning mapping, and we worked all day uh, for a couple of days and finished at noon on Thursday. So that was a, a full canvas of the park, every single trail with the park owner, who's the guy that knows it better than anybody else. Um, so every named obstacle is named. We'll... we'll um, collect a point in the data in the center of the obstacle and then um like Matson was asking you know about as far as how how do you run that trail and how do you collect the center line um we'll mount the gps we've got a, a really fancy pants gps unit that we collect our data with it's uh, like surveyor grade i guess you could call it um it's sub meter accurate in tree canopy which is just awesome wow. um that that blows my mind to be able to do that in tree canopy so i can collect you know, 12 months of the year, not worrying about waiting until leaf off period in the fall and winter. Um, and when, so we collect the data with this unit and then we post process the data where I hook it up, I, I, you know, suck the data into some software that we pay for a license for. And it brings in data from ground control stations all over the country. There's kind of like, you can kind of think of it like a satellite that's on the ground, like an absolute known point that's also putting out data. Uh, just like the satellites in space and orbit over us. And so this system brings that into the equation and further refines the accuracy of the data. So my cleanup process is a lot easier with this software because it, it takes the line and, and it kind of smooths it, so to speak. Y'all have all seen bad GPS data, right, from a phone or a handheld Garmin or, or Magellan or whatever, and it's like real jumpy and you get little vertices that it just shoots yeah. all over the place. It's not a nice, clean, smooth, sweeping line. My data after I post-process it with this software, with that ground control station data, it's just nice, sweeping, smooth curve. So the maps that you see when you download a Carta, tra Carta um, Tracks map, you you see these nice sweeping lines. I haven't like edited it much at all. I, I'll do a little bit of cleanup. Occasionally, we'll get little erroneous data points in there. But for the most part, that's what the GPS collected. It's absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, I mean, that's that's top of the line stuff. It's a pretty expensive package that we pay for, but that's what our whole business is founded on is really accurate data. So 
when we get out in places like sand hollow where you don't have tree canopy out west um you, I've, I've actually seen standard deviations in our data um it, at sand hollow on the bare rocks with no canopy less than half an inch which is just amazing it's wow. just so cool to be able to get that kind of accuracy so it is imperative that i'm running absolute center line because when a customer downloads the map and they're looking at that line that line's the line so if you start to deviate off of that sand hollow is a great example it's really yeah. mind-numbing to sit there and go up some of those trails and like milt's mile for instance there's a couple of different lines you can take there's a milt's light um that that's kind of the easier line that you can take but if you're running milt's mile and you want to say i've gone to sand hollow i'm going to run milt's mile and i'm going to say that i did it um our map's the only way to really do that <laughs> to have an absolute center line because the minute you start to deviate off of that line and you and you head off on the milt's light or something like that you'll notice your blue dot is starting to move off that line and you can stop yourself and back up a little bit or cut back over to get back on that line of course, so, you got to pay attention because I, I know when I was a navigator on uh, in navigating <laughs> in the races at uh, Ultra Four, like, oh, this is oh, we're going to get. Oh, wait, uh, turn back that way. <laughs> and there's yep. so much yeah, sand. Yeah, yeah. There's so much sand. And when I went with Charlene, um, I was the co-driver. So, of course, we used Jake's map to get around. And in the middle of sand, you don't have a trail. Right. Like right. you yep. keep heading this way, keep heading that way. Well, and for for the folks yeah. that are are watching video, um, I'm actually displaying Jake a picture of the Sand Hollow map on my phone. Um, cool. What it kind of looks like mm -hmm. for people, and this is just what um, an overview of the entire park, basically. But it's extremely detailed, and you know, I don't know that there's any other you know we can pull up all kinds of navigation software now you still strictly work with avenza maps is that correct at the moment yes that's that's the platform that um is kind of the the tool that you use to utilize our maps so the maps are all bought on our website and then they download into avenza and gotcha. it's it does its job you know just at the basic um you know the, the main job it has one job and that's display our map and utilize it in an offline environment so um, it does that. So that, by the way, for those that don't know about what we do and, and how this works, the maps work offline without cell signal. So mm -hmm. you got great signal at San Hollow, but you don't have any signal most, for the most part in Johnson Valley. So um, all of our maps are designed to work that way. So the file that you're downloading into Avenza Maps is stored locally on your device. So when you pan and you get a new view of the map, um, you know, from outside of the margins of the map or whatever, and you pan a little bit to get a new view of another trail, it's not pulling from a cell tower. It's pulling from your internal memory on the device. So your phone or your iPad or tablet or whatever. Um, and that's invaluable. So that's that's kind of a little side note that I wanted to add, just to make sure folks are aware of that. That's really nice. You don't have to do all the effort to try and cache something like some other apps do. Um, it's When you download the file, it's everything you need for that area. Um, I'm showing which again. Is really nice. There's, I've got a couple of the San Hollow maps pulled up on my device, and you can see the different, um, the two different uh, files there. Then you can pick the one where you're at. So, for example, I have the Sand Mountain uh, OHV map, and then the West Rim side um, on my device. Is there a limit yep. to how many maps you can store on your phone? 
There currently is an Avenza, and that's one of the reasons why we want to get away from Avenza ultimately. Um, they've got, and it's, there's not, there is a go around. You can pay them 30 bucks and they'll unlock this limit. So there's a limit of three currently for the free download version of Avenza. So for most wheelers, you really only need a map or two per day, typically. Um, but the frustration is you got to go and delete those maps at night and go and re-download download new ones, you know, for the next day of wheeling or whatever. But um, for the main Sand Mountain, you can really get away with just the main Sand Mountain map and then West Rim map. That's where most of the main trails are. Um, and then, you know, you can delete those and download some more to go run up to Tokerville Falls or um dinosaur tracks or some other map you know in the region there's we've got a bunch of different ones in that region so we've got some bundle options too now on our website we relaunched the website back in january of this year and we added in all kinds of cool features like bundles of maps so you can go and download a sand hollow bundle and just get them all in one purchase so it's a little bit discounted if you buy them all at once um so but there is a limit of three and then you can pay them 30 bucks to avenza and that they'll unlock that and then you can download even more and then it's really just the limit of the internal memory of the phone of your phone gotcha right jake let's, yep. go, let's talk about process a little bit like so just from a timeline you just did the rubicon trail how yep. long and uh, how much work and how, how long does it take to go from actually doing a trail to that for it being live and ready to go it it varies totally. I mean, by the by the different projects that we're on, um, the Rubicon should come pretty quick. We should have that available probably. I would say probably after Thanksgiving, early December, we should have that map live and ready to go. Um, so the process to kind of go through it um, is you know, obviously I go there and I run the trail with this high end GPS unit I've got, and then I post process that data, and then we've got the really really clean accurate data to work with. And then uh, I'll go in, I'll pull it up on a, on a, in our software that we use and clean it up just a little bit more. If there's anything that needs to be edited or revised, anything in the, what we call metadata, that's all the extra data that I'm attributing those trails with. So if there's anything that needs to be modified a little bit there, I do that then. Then I hand it over to my wife, Jennifer, who also has a background in geography. We both have degrees in geography. so. We're not just wheelers that just kind of stumbled our way through this. We actually started out as map people that like to wheel and the whole business and everything really just kind of fell in our lap. So um, it was what a great way to turn your uh, turn your career into your passion. That's right. awesome. I know we're very, very blessed to, to have that background and then just have this kind of land in front of us. And um, so we're, we're just kind of cruising through it, just taking it, um, you know, a year at a time growing slow and steady and, and just doing the data right, making sure we're making good quality maps and we've been growing that way. But but I hand that Wait. data off to her and she works on it um, to, to do the cartography where basically you take the data, the raw data and turn it into a pretty map. So we're pulling in uh, contour data from US Geologic Survey. We're compiling that. If there's private properties that we need to delineate, we're having conversations with tax assessor's offices to get, uh, you know, the data to get the absolute boundaries that we pull into that to showcase wow. that. Like on a private park kind of thing, you end up with, um, you know, this is kind of foreign to most of y'all, I guess, because um, y'all are West Coast folks for the most part. I know Corey travels quite a bit and goes to some of these private parks, like S'more, for instance, in Missouri, a great example. I mean, he's surrounded by other private property owners and he doesn't want to, you know, make the neighbors cranky so he wants to make sure that all of his riders are staying on property so 
we go to the county tax assessor's office and say, we need the, the data to show the property boundary for Brandon's property. And we pull that in and then we crop all of our contours to that. So everybody has the boundary shown. So they see as they get up close to the boundary, if they've gotten off trail, um, you know, they should see that to begin with. But if they get off property, then that's a whole other animal. Um, right, and we've got right. a nice bold property line. So people see you don't want to be trespassing on some other guy's land you know, adjacent to it. Sometimes out in the woods, you just don't Especially know. Especially when part of the country because no, there might be a shotgun pointed at your face. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Them damn the four wheelers are all out here again. <laughs> I know. Don't you see my no trespassing yeah. sign? Get away from my still. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, do you see a time where maybe, maybe what, what if, I don't know, I'm just kind of looking down the, the future here. Um, if somebody requested it, would you sell them like a GPX file or, or a KML file? or? We don't, and I'll tell you why. We get asked that occasionally, not not super often, but um, typically the reason we – don't know what a GPX we, file is. Okay, so that's so – <laughs> It's a good question, and and a comparable Corey. file type is a, so a GPX, a KML, um, uh, let's see, USR. They're different XML, file types. Yeah. yeah, they all are basically files that contain all of the information that you need for for GPS data, and there's just different mm -hmm. formats. So GPX actually came from Garmin. Um, USR files are, are Lowrance which is what a lot of the West Coast racers do out in the desert. They, they all have fish finders in their right, Jeeps, right. and I've never understood that. But, uh, <laughs> hey, but anyway, everybody's got a different... It's, I think it came as a fish finder, amazingly enough, has the best satellite signal or whatever. It just seems to work. <laughs> well, that's usually because you got an external antenna mounted right. on the top of the vehicle. That's right. what that comes from. So it's not as much a product of the hardware in the cab as it is that external antenna. So... Um, of course, if we can it's talk also about that in impervious minute, but... to mud and rain and yep. uh, everything else that can land on you. Yeah, right. and racers and... like them because they have a really big screen. You can get color screens, and they have buttons that you can hit pretty easily when you're at speed bouncing around in, in the desert. So right. Um, right. there's definitely some advantages, but there's some huge disadvantages in that all it does like a lot of other handheld GPS units, it doesn't actually display a map necessarily. It displays data, and that's the key. Um, you you know, if you've got a, a point that you've entered in at a, on a race course saying, you know, big cactus on the right, whatever, um, it, sometimes it's difficult to get that displayed properly as you approach it so you can see what that, that hazard is. Um, in our map and plenty of us know that, that because there's absolutely no no data about oh watch out for that ditch that you need to slow down to almost exactly. to crawl to get through you're flying it you're just looking at the map and flying out there and it really comes down to almost having a, just a navigator playing the same game that uh, the navigators play in um in rally sports right where you just you've got to know it enough to be able to pre-run it and if you haven't pre-run it there's all kinds of hazards. Oh yeah, we're going, going, going. It's a straight line, and all of a sudden you go, boom, and uh, and lose your your jump because absolutely, yep. that map doesn't show you anything. Yeah, that's that's the thing. So the data and maps are two different things. So just two totally different animals. But the file type. So going back to Corey's question about the the sharing of of data, like a GPX or something like that. The main reason is file protection. So our maps, the way they're designed and the way they're downloaded into Avenza, it's completely protected. So if I sold sold one map to one person and we don't have that protected, they could just 
you know, email that out, the file, and, and pass it around. Then we've sold one map to a whole four-wheel drive club. Um, so from a business standpoint, that's the primary reason. Um, but there's also the whole system that we've created with the way that Carta Tracks works. When you when you buy a map from us, um, you're you're locked into us as a subscription. So you all of our maps now you have two options. You can do a single one year subscription. So when you buy it, you got it for a year and you have access to it for a year. Um, and then the second option is an annually renewing subscription. So you you have a lower buy-in cost, and then every year you have a little bit lesser amount that it charges you every year on the anniversary date of that initial purchase. So what it does is it guarantees you've always got access to the latest map from Cartatrax. And can you do a so, can you do a site wide site site wide subscription? Like you just want access to all maps? We haven't yet, but we've been considering it. Uh, challenges just trying to figure out what's the right dollar figure to put on that you know that would it would um you know properly attribute that with the proper amount of value to the to the package that you would be getting and that's always changing every time we add a map that would probably have to go up just a smidge so uh, well, the but beauty of when subscriptions you're is most people just automatically renew so your actual cost of acquisition of customer acquisition goes down right, so you're, right. you once yeah. you have them in there they do it. it's a hundred dollars a year two hundred dollars a year whatever it is but it ultimately you get that cost of acquisition goes down, so your actual return on investment goes up. Yeah, yeah, it's something we've been considering, and, and the more we think about it, the more appealing it sounds. So that could happen in the near future. I think it's a possibility. Um, when, when but so the subscription talks, thing, what's cool about the subscriptions is if, um, let's just say, let's see of a good example. A great example is San Hollow. That, that place is just, it's technically an open OHV area. So there are designated trails that people say, I wanna go and run double Sammy or Milts or whatever. Um, but that's not to say you couldn't go and pick your own line and create a new trail and, and Rich Klein and a lot of the locals that have moved there um, in the off-road industry have been doing this. So every year um, we add in more trails to the San Hollow area that come online. And the beauty of our maps is when you buy one of our maps, like say you grab the, the main San Hollow map, if we add in a new trail, like right before Trail Hero this year, we had a couple of trails, one of them named Resurrection. We got the data collected, we put it into the map. When we push that file to our server, every single customer that's bought that map gets an email notifying them that, hey, remember that Sand Hollow map that you bought? Guess what? We've added some trails to it. Here's your latest update since you're subscribed to it. Go delete the old map and re-download it and you'll have the new, new trails on it. So it's super cool. You're electronically connected now. Um, so if we just sold a GPX track, um, you know, it just kind of goes away like an old school paper map. We don't have any connection to the customer anymore. It's gone. It, it disappears into a glove box somewhere. Um, that makes sense. And I, yeah. from our, for our listeners and our followers, um, I, I, I think there's a big difference between the, the differentiation again, between what you do and what we see on like a lot of these other apps. And I'm going to show another picture of your actual map that has, Number one, there's a there's a, a lot of um, sponsors that take part in this, but it's an actual yeah. map. Like if I was to view the Sand Hollow map on my phone, it's a map of the whole area. Now, if you zoom in close, since I'm not there, it's not actually tracking me, but it can go down to the level of all those individual trails. It's an it's a it's like looking at a paper map. It's looking at a picture of a paper map mm -hmm. and then you, the Avenza app is able to track you on that map, yep. if, if mm -hmm. that makes sense. 
Um, yeah, it has all the value of an old school paper map that we used to love to study and try and plan out trips and stuff. But then it has another dimension added to it, and that's the the geographic coordinates that are built into it and the ability to put that magic blue dot on that old school paper map. So you get the value of the paper map plus the blue dot, and that changes everything. It's just a whole other realm of navigating on these trails. It's really cool. Well, that's, that is absolutely awesome. And, and I know from, from the modern Jeeper standpoint, we're so thrilled to be able to have that kind of data. It's really where the world's going. You know, it makes us, makes it, again, we talk about modern Jeeper being about accessibility, right? Getting more people into the Jeeper lifestyle and having these stamp maps as we started this conversation makes it more accessible to people to be able to do it, do it right. Uh, tread lighting. Obviously, there are thousands of trails across this country. It's going to take a long time for for your process to get there. Are you planning on scaling up at any point to be able to start having others be able to go out and do uh, to do trails? Because you could probably only get, you know, a dozen to two dozen done a year as far as actual locations. Um, Is there any way that you can you're looking at scaling up so you can have maybe other teams across the country doing trails? Yes, there is. And uh, there's some. Some things afoot, I can't discuss at the moment, but uh, <laughs> we, we definitely have that in the ringer. Um, well, if we were that kind of inbox, podcast, I'm, we'd be I'm, pulling the strings going, come on, tell us, tell us, tell us. <laughs> you can come out to Montrose, well, we'll track some. There you go. Yeah, you need yeah. Montrose, you, the, the Northwest, I mean, Tillamook, yeah. that whole area is beautiful up there and some great stuff. But let's talk a little bit about you, just because it is a Jeep show about Jeeping. I do want to touch base because you do have a pretty special rig that uh, when Corey showed all those little sponsors on the bottom of the map, all those guys are there uh, because they've helped you go out and do things. And they've done a lot to help your rig uh, be the one that goes out and does a lot of these trails. So tell us about your, about your jeeping life. Yeah. So, well, let's, uh, there's maybe something none of y'all know about this, this Jeep that I have um, and my passion for Jeeps and kind of the background a little bit that I'll share. This will be kind of fun for this podcast, I think for, a lot of Jeep people that are out there. Um, so we'll back it up a little bit before we even talk about the the folks that are supporting us that are on those maps and supporting, you know, this this Scrambler that I have. It's a 1982 Jeep Scrambler, but we'll back it up a little bit. Um, I'll date myself a little bit uh, and my first Jeep and kind of where it all started for me. When I was about to turn 16, talking with dad, trying to figure out what's the right vehicle for me, I almost ended up with a 1969 MGB GT, little British sports car, right? Y'all have seen these things. That the BGT was the hatchback version of a MGB. And dad, being the smart man that my dad is, has had British sports cars and, and knew uh, what that entailed. And um, talk about unreliability. It, it trumped anything people might say about Jeeps and <laughs> having stuff break. Um, they all have Lucas electronics, which are terrible. Lucas is, is just awful. Um, so dad didn't see this as a very reliable vehicle and talked me out of it. And about a week later, the guy that was selling this little BGT that I was looking at had a wreck in it and just destroyed the thing. So it was like fate. That wasn't to happen. <laughs> and um, so uh, it kind of worked out. I was crushed. I mean, it was a beautiful little car, but um, dad Dad was smart enough to tell me about Lucas and how horrible the electronics were. The, the joke is why do all the Brits drink warm beer? Have y'all ever heard this? Mm. Why do all the Brits drink warm beer? Because they all have Lucas refrigerators. Um, <laughs> oh, great. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so anyway, um, I'd seen a scrambler before and I just thought that was the coolest thing. And dad saw this 82 Jeep scrambler at a transmission shop for sale out front, which that's not a good sign. It, it not only was it a transmission shop, but it had a, a, a tow bar on the front of it. Like it's prepared. You're going to be towing this thing a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so anyway, we ended up buying this thing five grand back in 1993, four, somewhere in that range. And, um, everything I know about anything automotive came from dad and I working on this Jeep together. Um, first thing went out was the transmission. We swapped out the T5 and put in a <laughs> T18 and, um, a center force clutch and a, and a T18 transmission. And, um, it just kind of grew from there. So I drove that in high school every day, daily drove it in high school and then on into college. And then, um, we, uh, my wife and I got married while we were in college and in grad school geography, and then, uh, moved to Huntsville, Alabama for a mapping company. And, uh, the frame on that scrambler was cracked and I needed to find a, a, another frame. And, um, I really didn't think that it was very repairable. So I started shopping around on a scrambler forum and posted up and said, has anybody got a, a scrambler frame in the Southeast somewhere? And they said, yeah, talk to Matt Donaghy, the guy that owns Great Tops over in uh, Columbia, South Carolina. So yeah, I got Matt's in touch part with of the guy. modern Jeeper family. Yeah, well, I, I, at that point, never knew Matt. I didn't know Matt at all and reached out to him and he said, yeah, so here's the deal on the frame. He said, I've got one and, and you're welcome to it. Um, it's from, at the time, it was called Advanced Frameworks, the company uh, that's now Throttle Down Customs. And what they were doing, so Matt was the, the founder of the Scrambler Owners Association. We call him the godfather of the Scrambler Owners Association, of which I was already a member because I had this Scrambler. And um, he said, so here's the deal. We're trying to build a charity Scrambler. Um, we're, we're getting donated parts, and a lot of our members are donating things, used parts and stuff, new old stock stuff. we got a tub. we got a VIN. And I contacted the AFV. Um, not FE, um, yeah, AFW, Advanced Frame Works. Um, and the guy said, yeah, I'll, I'll donate one if you'll buy three more. <laughs> so Matt bought one of the other three. Uh, another guy bought one, and he had one just left with no name on it. So I ended up buying it. So they built the charity nice. scrambler. Yeah, so they, they built this scrambler, uh, and I donated some parts. And um, they paraded around the country to, to car shows and, and Jeep events and stuff and sold raffle tickets. And the proceeds went to Blue Ribbon Coalition and St. Jude Children's Hospital. They split the proceeds 50-50 from the ticket sale. So I had 100 tickets, sold them all to coworkers and friends, had another bundle of 100, and I sold all but nine. And it was coming up on the raffle drawing, and I said, that's it. I'll just donate 45 bucks or five bucks a piece. Um, make my donation and we'll call it done. That'll be my donation. And um, we went to Clayton, Oklahoma for the annual scramble that year. They did the drawing. Guess who won it? (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. $5 raffle ticket. That white scrambler that I drive, that's the Carta Track scrambler, was a $5 raffle ticket. Compliments of the, the Scrambler Owners Association. So the next year, they elected me president of the SOA as my punishment. (laughs) And I I served for 10 years as the Scrambler Owners Association National Club president up until last year when I said, guys, I got to step away. Um, Y'all got to find somebody else to to take the abuse. And um, so, yeah, I I stepped down last year. They've got another great president. The the club's going just fine. 
And um, they do an annual scramble every year. It's the only uh, official event of the club. They skipped it this year because of COVID, and they're going to push it into uh, 2021 at Roush Creek. Um, but rest is history, kind of. So it, it's become a mascot vehicle for Carta Tracks. I've, um, it's a really cool Jeep. It's got this advanced frameworks frame underneath it. The tub was redone, um, you know, painted, and um, it's got some cool stuff in it. It's and then since we've created the Carta Tracks business, we've got a lot of great support from industry um, that that recognizes the value of what we do uh, as far as mapping and keeping people on trails, and they want to support us. So a lot of the product on it comes from our our partner businesses that have supported us through the years, and so. Um, yeah, it's that's been awesome. a, it's been a fun ride since then, but that's, that's the real history on the scrambler that I've got. It's, um, it's pretty cool. And I've still got my other scrambler. Um, my wife and I went on our first date in that thing. Wait, wait, you still got your um, other scrambler? Yeah, I do. I've yeah. got two actually. So, that's awesome. um, well, if you look at all of our our neighbor's barn, what's that? For all of our listeners, just the, the picture right there that you have, the family, uh, that you have there, that, that picture of your family, um, yep. that we're showing is the that's the scrambler you won right correct yep that's it the other one i've got is also an 82 model uh it's a sherwood green metallic green color it's a really dark color a couple of speeding tickets i got the cop said it was black um so yeah <laughs> but that one's stashed <laughs> well, it's stashed over across the street in the neighbor's barn and um just yesterday i mailed our deposit uh for building a Miracle Trust building. I don't know if y'all have heard of this company, Miracle Trust, but we're going to be building a building uh, next to our house so I can stuff my Jeeps in it. I've got five nice. Jeeps. Um, nice. I've got two Scramblers. I've got an 86 Grand Wagoneer. I've got a 92 XJ Briarwood, the wood-paneled XJ. Um, and we've got a 1950 Willys Jeepster as well. Oh, wow. So um, I'm a Jeep guy through and through. Um, True modern Jeeper. That's awesome. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, none well, of them are modern. The newest one I got. No, no, no. XJ, modern, so. <laughs> modern Jeeper is not about the Jeep. It's about the lifestyle. It's about the appreciation. It's about a, a true modern Jeeper. We don't care what your what kind of Jeep you have, what your personal background is, or what you like to do with your Jeep. That's what modern Jeeper yeah. is all about. It's all about being together as a group of people that are all here for one reason, that is to enjoy ourselves out on the open trails uh, with our Jeeps. Very and that well is, said. That's it. And all you've done really by, by the reason I want to have you on here, uh, besides the fact that yes, Metal Cloak is the, uh, is a sponsor on both your Rubicon trail and you didn't mention you're doing your Fordyce trail too. Um, yeah, which that's is, correct. Absolutely. Those are, those are amazing. And we're so happy to be a part of it from our side, but uh, just the fact that, that, you are providing a service that I think makes it again accessibility, education, and accessibility. Two things Modern Cheaper is incredibly uh, passionate about, um, and just makes it that much better. And I hope really our listeners just get a chance to go out there and do it and to and to to find it. Um, we YouTube would do a tech tip of the week, but I think our tech tip really is use a map if you have access to it. Right, Corey? Right. No, I think that um, I think this whole podcast uh, is a tech tip and absolutely um, folks getting more familiar with how to use things. I think that's a huge thing as we all go out and we haven't used our devices or technology very much. Um, getting familiar with it, even going in, opening Avenza, go on to Jake's website, buy a map, 
even if you're not going there, but load it up, get familiar with how to use these tools. I think that's a huge, huge benefit. Absolutely. Jake, for all of our listeners, man, we really appreciate you. Uh, we go, we could probably talk for hours, but, uh, but, but I don't want to spend that much time doing editing. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, what, but, but for all of our listeners, okay. The primary place they can find you is cartertracks.com. That's correct. Yep. Okay. That's it. And if they want to reach out to you on social media, where do they find you? Yep. Uh, so Carta Tracks is the name that you'd search for on Facebook and Instagram. That's our primary two platforms where we're pretty active. Um, nice. So just Cardo Tracks. It's Cardo Tracks. And that's okay. it. Yeah. That's awesome. So for everybody out there, you know, we really appreciate you you being a part of this, being part of the listenership. We're getting closer and closer to our 100th episode, which is going to be pretty cool. Um, next week, we are going to do a special Thanksgiving episode. Um, and uh, uh, Corey's showing you if you're watching the video, showing the logo, which I like. I like that little cool logo and, and setup. But get out there and try Carter Tracks out. Um, we have so much to do the rest of this year um, and into next year. We're looking forward to, again, hitting that 100th episode, which will be early 2021, which that's pretty big, buddy. That's pretty big. Yeah, right? 100, know, 100, 100 episodes. episodes. Right. For us, to actually, for us to actually do something and, like, you know, Almost every week, talk a hundred times. It's just <laughs> now what we need to start doing is we need to do the side episode, which is like the bloopers episode or the you can write uh, the, all the outtakes, the, the real the the explicit episode, which is where you and I are just talking on the phone, <laughs> right? Oh. <laughs> right. Uh, the second, anyway. Uh, again, for all of our listeners, make sure if you're enjoying this episode, you can check it out on YouTube. Uh, we really appreciate the the views that we've seen on YouTube. It's incredible. I mean, it's it's just blowing us away how many people are actually watching us and wanting to see us sitting here um, doing nothing but chatting uh, with with people and with each other and making fun of each other. Um, but also make sure if you're watching on YouTube, it, smash that like button for us. Right, the more likes the better. If you're on watching us on your latest uh, your listening device or whatever podcast distributor you you have. Let us know. You know, go out there, give us a review. Tell us what you like about it. You can reach out to me at mattsetmetalclick.com. You can reach out at coreymetalclick.com, jesseatmetalclick.com, and uh, just let us know what you're interested in. Of course, what's your email address out there, Jake? It's cartatracks at gmail.com. Perfect. So Easy. reach out to, if you have any questions. And if there's a trail in your area that you really, 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 really want to do it, or if you're a company and you're interested in actually uh, helping Jake get out there and do that trail, that's part of the impetus. You know, come on out there and uh, and help organize it and be somebody who can do it whether it's a private area private trails or a public trail or someplace you really think that that you would love to have it set up reach out to jake and let's see if you can can't schedule it out in 2021 uh that being said my friends anything else you want to add Corey? i think we're good man fantastic well again it's another amazing episode of the modern cheaper show we appreciate all of you joining us and sharing with us and tell us what we should think of this this episode otherwise we will see you on the trails. Cheers. See ya. Audios. This podcast will self-destruct in five, four, three, two, one.